Hi everyone, this is Mark and welcome to another episode of the Mark Hastings Experience. And in this episode, uh, I'm going to be talking about one of my favourite films. Uh, it's also uh, my sister Claire's favourite film, I have to say. Uh, she absolutely loves this film. Um, and she and I have been watching this film uh, for pretty much our entire lives. And um, the film that I'm talking about is, of course, the 1989 American science fiction film, Back to the Future Part 2. Uh, which was directed, of course, by the great Robert Zemeckis and written by Bob Gale. And it is, of course, the sequel to the 1985 um, film Back to the Future. Um, and it's the, the second film in the Back to the Future trilogy. And, yeah, this film, among all of us, um, is... A film that I uh, have watched more times than I could I can count, uh, or more times than I can um, tell you, because I was absolutely fascinated by this film, and fascinated because I, ever since I was a little boy, I always wanted to know what the future was going to be like. I was always um, a boy. Uh, who gravitated towards science fiction films and TV shows which depicted um, what life was going to look like in the future. Um, such uh, films as uh, Star Trek um, or the Star Trek films that featured the original series uh, cast, um, Blade Runner, but uh, uh, I suppose that was more of a, a dystopian view of the future. Uh, but then, of course, you had uh, the Mad Max uh, franchise of films and um, um, Alien, you know, films such like such as those. Um, but um, most of the depictions of the future were very pessimistic, I guess you could say, or dark. Um, whereas um, depictions of the future as seen within the Star Trek television series. Um, I suppose at that time when I was growing up, uh, there was only the original series and then there was Star Trek The Next Generation before Deep Space Nine and Voyager came along. But uh, the majority of the films that we saw um, depicted a future where, you know, things weren't going great for humanity, um, such as um, depictions such as society breaking down um but um in back to the future part two we got a vision of the future which was uh pretty great actually and it was so great that um that i as i say i was absolutely fascinated and um i absolutely believed that um, the future was going to look exactly like uh, it was depicted in Back to the Future Part 2. Uh, because if you're not familiar with the storyline of Back to the Future Part 2, um, the the opening uh, scene is um, a carbon copy 
um, of the final scene of the uh, original Back to the Future film, um, which showed uh, Marty McFly, um, played by Michael J. Fox, uh, after he just returned from uh, the year 1955 um, in the DeLorean. Um, uh, after helping to save his family from uh, being erased. And um, in the original film, it also... The original uh, scene starred um, uh, Claudia Wells um, playing um, um, uh, the character of uh, Jennifer Parker. Uh, but in Pact of Future Part 2... Um, um, Claudia Wells was replaced as Jennifer Parker by Elizabeth Shue, and um, I think she did a, did a uh, great job. But apparently, uh, Claudia Wells um, was originally going to be a part of um, the film, but she had to leave for personal reasons, so she was replaced by uh, Elizabeth Shue, who does a great job, I think, as uh, Jennifer Parker. Um, yeah, so we see um, Marty McFly um, and Jennifer Parker. They are interacting one, with one another. Um, Jennifer remarks to Marty because he's so um, surprised to see her. Um, he turns to look at her after um, looking at the new truck that he's um, he's just discovered in his uh, his garage. Um, and he looks at her and he says, Jennifer. And she turns to him and says, Jennifer. Uh, she, uh, Jennifer says, Marty, you, you're acting like you haven't seen me in a week. And he says, oh, I haven't because he hasn't. He spent the last uh, week previous in the year 1955. But uh, he's not going to tell her that. Um, however, um, um, after Jennifer asks Marty if uh, he's all right, uh, if anything's wrong, uh, he says, no, everything's great, uh, but um, mere seconds after, there is a flash of light um, and there is the reappearance of um, the the wonderful uh, Christopher Lloyd playing Dr. Emmett L. Brown. Uh, and he jumps out of the DeLorean and he, and he immediately says, Marty, uh, you need to come back with me. And Marty asks, where? And uh, uh, Doc Brown says, back to the future. Um, and he explains that um, he uh, he needs Marty's assistance. He needs to take him um, back to the future, uh, 30 years into the future, in fact, to the year 2015, uh, because the, uh, the scene uh, in the present, time is set in the year 1985 um so yeah doc brown um uh explains um that he needs uh, marty's help to help fix marty's family in the future uh in the year 2015 um uh, most uh especially um he has to help his son um marty jr and uh, because Jennifer is there and she saw the time machine, um, um, Doc Brown decided to take Jennifer along with them for the journey, um, not 
thinking that uh, there would be anything wrong with that. Um, but after the um, the the title card uh, um, runs, and we get the intro introduction of the the title, Back to the Future Part Two, uh, we then transition into a scene um, from the clouds down to what appears to be a um, a floating um, lane of traffic where uh, um, fast-moving um, vehicles uh, are traveling down and this is a, uh, a um, skyway as I think it's uh, described and um, seconds after um, the DeLorean flashes um, uh, into uh, into the future uh, they are also uh, flying down this skyway because um, as we we see in the first uh, scene as we saw in the, the final scene of Back to the Future uh, part one um, we see that the DeLorean has been outfitted with a, um, a hover conversion so the DeLorean is now able to hover and fly uh, just as uh, all the other vehicles in the future are able to do. And they're traveling down this uh, skyway at high speed, traveling um, to Hill Valley, um, where the, uh, the Back to the Future trilogy is set in all of its um, eras within the, the 50s, the the 1980s, um, 2015, um, also in the year 1885 when um, the, the the story is picked up in Back to the Future Part 3. Um, but yeah, so then um, Marty asks the, the question to Doc, uh, um, you know, what's going on Doc? Why are we here? When are we? Doc Brown explains that it's the year 2015. Um, they're flying um, and um, they need to save both Marty and Jennifer's uh, children because Marty Jr. is in, um, in going to be in some serious trouble here soon. Um, and because Jennifer is... She has no knowledge that um, of where they are, what what they're doing, um, what how they're flying. Uh, Marty has to explain that not only are they in a DeLorean, but the DeLorean that they're in is a time machine, and that they are in the year two thousand fifteen. And she immediately starts asking questions to. Um, Doc Brown asking um, what happens to her and Marty um, did they get married what are their kids like and Doc is kind of resistant to answer her questions because he knows that any knowledge of the future could impact the future and um, that could cause a, a major paradox it could change events um, that are um, from his perspective have already taken place um, so instead of answering her questions 
um, Doc Brown decides to use a um, a alpha rhythm um, generator, which uh, he flat puts into um, puts before Jennifer's eyes and immediately um, makes her fall asleep. And uh, Marty's a bit uh, taken aback by this, and he asks, "Well, what are you doing, Doc?" And Doc explains that she was asking too many questions, and that um nobody should know too much about their own future and that it, you know the effects will be the after effects will be um uh won't won't be too bad and that when she wakes up she'll think that everything was just uh, just a dream so uh, nothing to worry about uh because the only person that doc brown really needs is marty because he looks exactly like um his future son does exactly um and when uh doc brown and marty um mcfly uh eventually descend down into hill valley and they uh park up in a uh, an alleyway um um just as the the rain is is pouring down um doc brown goes to get out and then um, Marty says, well, what are you doing? It's raining. And then Doc Brown looks at his watch and he says, wait five more seconds. Uh, because he knows, because he has future knowledge, that uh, the rain is going to stop at any moment and that the sun is going to come out and that they'll be free to move around and uh, they won't get wet. And uh, Doc Brown says, amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, if only the postal service was as efficient as the weather service, um, which is a uh, a really funny line. Um, and then um, Doc um, says to Marty, they should uh, just put Jennifer just to the side because um, um, you know she's not going to know what's happening, but uh, because uh, he's going to have to use the DeLorean and he doesn't want to have to take Jennifer with him so they leave Jennifer lying in a an alleyway uh while Marty and um uh Doc Brown uh carry out the mission that um the doc has um um has planned and this plan is as i said um for Marty um to dress up like his future son um to wear the same uh, baseball cap the same um self-lacing uh nike shoes which uh were all the rage I remember when i saw these self-lacing shoes and i immediately wanted them and of course um since the film's release over the last 30 years there have been uh, attempts and even real life um displays of uh, self lacing shoes uh some that look very much like the uh those seen in the in the film um and also a um a self-adjusting uh red and um gray jacket um and also another um detail about um kids in the future especially teenagers is that they wear their pants or their trousers inside out in the future so um doc brown instructs marty to take out 
uh, the two pockets in the front of his jeans and pull them out uh, to make them seem as if they are inside out, as um, as is the fashion in the year 2015, or the version of the year 2015, um, which we see in Back to the Future Part 2. So um, then Doc Brown leaves Marty. He uh, goes to check up on the whereabouts of Marty Jr., uh, making sure that uh, his plan is on schedule. While he does this, Marty dresses up in uh, the same clothing as his future son. Um, then um, Doc leaves him. He says, go round the corner to the Cafe 80s. He gives him a $50 bill. He says, um, go into the Cafe 80s, order a Pepsi and wait for... Uh, a guy to come in by the name of uh, Griff and who is of course Griff Tannen uh, who is the grandson of um, Biff Tannen uh, who's a character that we got introduced to in the first Back to the Future film and he is um, played uh, once again by the great Thomas F. Wilson who's a great actor and he plays a, a great um but very um um very crazed uh character um that is uh, uh griff tannen um yeah so marty goes in there uh while he's uh, in there he he orders a uh it's a, it's a uh, an 80s themed um cafe uh which has um depictions of um um characters who take your order that are encased within uh televisions and uh who uh um look very much um stylized as it, um just like um was the style in the 1980s uh, such as um the style um um shown in uh, the character Max Headroom uh, back in the 1980s, uh, there are depictions of um, uh, Ronald Reagan and uh, Michael Jackson, and um, and there's also a an antique uh, video game there, um, an arcade game uh, called Wild Gunman, uh, which Marty, uh, because he's from 1985, he's familiar with, and he goes over to the uh, the the two kids uh who are looking at this arcade game and um they uh looking at it and wondering uh how you play it uh they've got it working they've got it uh the power to come on but they don't know how it works and marty goes over and he says um stand back i'll show you up. um i always got a high score um wild gunman it was a crack shot, I think he, he described it as. Um, and one of these kids um, is, of course, a uh, a very uh, young-looking uh, Elijah Wood, uh, who had gone to play, of course, Frodo Baggins within the Lord of the Rings trilogy of films, uh, among other things. Um, but uh, I, I would think that this was his first uh, um, acting um, role um, 
but uh yeah so after this uh in fact um the kids <laughs> they turn to him and they they turn to Marty McFly and they say you have to use your hands that's like a baby's toy and then they just walk away because they they can't believe that you, you have to still use your hands to play a game which um unfortunately even now in the year 2021 when you play a video game you still have to use your hands no matter uh how advanced the computer game or the the console that you have you still have to use your hands so that unfortunately didn't come true but i suppose there are games out there where you don't have to use your hands maybe but anyway um so marty hangs around a bit longer um and he bumps into biff biff tannen the original biff tannen uh who he knew back in the year 1985 but the version of biff tannen that marty uh bumps into now is 30 years older so he's uh um probably in his 70s now 70s or 80s and um you know he uh starts to talk to marty as if he were marty jr because he doesn't know that he's still he's the marty from 1985 the one who he knew who he um spoke to when uh he was younger and he starts saying uh what a loser his father was and of course marty is very defensive uh he's very protective of his parents and he says george mcfly wasn't a loser um you know he was a, a good man uh but Biff says, no, I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about George McFly. I'm talking about his kid. George McFly was, um, you know, someone that Biff knew, but he's talking about Marty. He's talking about him, Marty McFly. He's saying that um, he took his life and he flushed it straight down the toilet. And Marty looks at Biff and he's like, he did. I did. He did. He looks very confused because he, in his mind, probably believed that he would go on to become a rock star or someone very successful. But it turns out from this discussion that he's having with Biff that he didn't, his life didn't turn out as he hoped it uh, would. Um, but before um, he can question Biff any any further... Uh, Griff turns up, um, he comes into the Cafe 80s and uh, he calls to um, Biff Tannen and he says, um, look, you've got to come out here, wax my car. Um, um, and then, you know, uh, Biff says, oh, I just put the second coat on last week. And uh, Griff said, well, would you do it with your eyes closed? Um, but then Biff... Uh, goes outside um then griff comes back into the cafe 80s and he says to to marty says and mcfly don't go anywhere you're next um and then um biff uh, sorry marty realizes that uh he that griff is just as crazy as he was led to believe by uh, doc brown 
um, and he waits around. He's just waiting to tell Griff what uh, Doc Brown told him to say, which was that um, whatever um, plans that Griff has for Marty Jr., that um, the answer is no, and that's it. No, he's not going to do whatever he wants him to do. But then Marty Jr., the real Marty Jr., Marty McFly's son, arrives in the Cafe 80s. Um, he orders a pep Pepsi Perfect, uh, which is the, the drink of choice at the time in the year 2015. Um, then Griff comes back in the Cafe 80s. Um, and as soon as uh, Marty sees his son has come in he goes oh damn and he has to quickly hide behind the counter griff immediately questions um marty jr and he says you know um he starts asking uh, so have you made a decision about um the opportunity that i want to give to you and um marty jr says well mm, i don't know i think i should talk about it with my my father and griff and uh uh his other his other friends those that uh also arrived uh outside the cafe he's with griff start to laugh because um really marty jr is a bit of a bit of a screw up he's someone who's very uh wet behind the ears if you know what i mean he's someone who's very gullible um and uh seemingly in the the original um series of events um he just went along with uh griff and he got into trouble and this affected his entire life uh as is explained by doc brown um it's explained to marty that um if marty jr goes along with the the plan that griff um has set out then he would end up in um in prison uh and then as a result of this his sister um Marlene McFly uh, would uh, try to break him out of prison and she would be sent to prison herself so this would cause this would be disastrous for the McFly family which is why after Doc Brown discovered this these events that he wanted to try and fix them before they occurred, which is why he elicited the um, elicited the the help of Marty McFly to save his own family. Um, but yeah, so Marty Junior he um, makes a bit of a fall out of himself, so much so that Griff picks him up and throws him over the counter and. Um, he's knocked unconscious um and because he feels sorry for him uh the the real marty mcfly um stands up takes his son's baseball cap uh jumps over the counter faces up to uh griff and he says look whatever whatever you're asking the the, the answer is no and then griff says no you're saying no to me and then Marty says, what are you, deaf and stupid? I said, no. And Griff says, what, what are you, chicken? And of course, this is the phrase that always 
um, makes Marty uh, do something that he shouldn't do. Um, it's something that he has. Ha- it's a big chip on his shoulder. Every time someone calls calls him chicken, he does something that he would later go on to regret. And um, um, straight away, Marty takes off his cap. He throws it to the side, and he says, "Griff, nobody calls me chicken." And uh, Griff um, has a, uh, a an extending baseball bat uh, behind his back, and um, he swings it at Marty. Marty ducks and. Um, then he has a standoff with Griff and uh, he tries to do the same trick as he did in the first movie when he saw um, Biff Tannen when he was younger, uh, when he confronted him in the the, the cafe there. And he uh, tries to make him look behind so he can hit him, so he can get away. But uh, Griff, because he has these bionic implants apparently... Uh, he's able to foresee this happening before Marty does it and he uh, takes a hold of Marty's fist before he hits him and uh, um, he stops him Um, but then Marty is uh, um, able to uh, effectively uh, kick Griff in the crotch and send him uh, barreling into his uh, three friends uh, so that he can run away um, and try and um, find some way to to hide or make his escape. And um, as a means of doing this, he runs over to where this little girl appears to be skating on some kind of board. Um, and he says, I need to help. I, I need this little girl. Um, I'll give it back to you. But what he doesn't realise at the time is that this... Um, the board that this girl uh, has been skating on is a hoverboard and this is another piece of technology that everybody my age um, even now and especially when I was younger watching this film wanted like you wouldn't believe Um, and fast forward uh, you know 30 years I think we saw the release of something called a hoverboard but it wasn't the hoverboard that we were promised from Back to the Future. Um, it had wheels, whereas the hoverboard within Back to the Future Part 2 actually hovers. Um, you know, it can hover over the ground. Um, um, yeah, so unfortunately that didn't come to pass. But one day, one day. But anyway, so... Um, Marty takes this uh, hoverboard that he's taken from this little girl. Um, he throws it in front of him uh, and then reluctantly uh, jumps on it um, and uh, attempts to make his escape. Uh, but then moments after, um, Griff comes barreling out of the, the Cafe 80s with his friends. And um, um, his friends uh, uh, start to pursue Marty uh, on their own hoverboards uh, and then Griff he um, follows them eventually um, um, but uh, yeah so they do a 
a, in a, a scene very reminiscent of the, the scene in the original Back to the Future film where um, Biff Tannen and his friends pursued Marty in their in their car, their 1950s car, and tried to run him over. Um, uh, they, uh, Griff's friends, uh, um, pursue Marty on their hoverboards. Um, but then Marty um, gets away, but he um, his hoverboard is diverted uh, to start to hover over the the water of um of a lake near the 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 courthouse in the middle of um the uh the town the town center town near the uh uh near the courthouse as i said um and the griff's friends uh shout over and they say mcfly you bozo that hoverboard can't um don't work on water unless you've got power and then um marty finds himself hovering over the water tentatively trying to stop himself from falling into the water um but uh, he can't move he tries to move but um you know as they said um you have to have power to for the the hoverboard to to hover um so he's um He's thinking about what he's going to do. He's very close to the other side of the lake, but um, too far away to to jump. Um, so he's he's stuck. Then Griff takes out his own hoverboard from the uh, from the trunk of his car. Um, he asks, tells his friends to hook on to it, and this hoverboard seems to have its own independent power source um and these rocket boosters on the back um and um then um griff uh powers up his hoverboard uh he uh says batter up and then he and his friends uh, immediately start to um pursue and uh uh go over to where uh, Marty is where he's stuck um going to and uh, most likely going to attempt to to attack him um mercilessly um but um just before they get to him Marty just decides to hell with it um I'll just I'll just wait for them to approach me then I'll just fall in go into the water um and this is exactly what he does he um jumps into the water they um griff takes a swing at him but because uh they don't hit marty they hit the other side of the pool um the lake uh which causes them to um go careening into the the pane glass window of the courthouse um um uh, where the uh, the bell um, the, of the the clock tower was in the the first Back to the Future film, which of course was struck by lightning uh, in the year 1955, which enabled uh, the DeLorean and Marty to get back to um, the future uh, or 1985 as it was, um, and as a result of this, uh, of what Marty did, he changed. 
the events of the future. Um, uh, and he is told this, in fact, when he uh, gets out of the, the lake, um, he uh, tries to give the hoverboard that he borrowed from the little girl back to her. But she says, keep it. I've got a pit bull now. Um, the, the, the pit bull is the, uh, the hover, the version of the hoverboard that Griff was, um, uh, using to, uh, pursue, uh, Marty, but it must have, uh, it, well, it did come off his boots, uh, after he crashed into the, uh, the court, um, the clock tower, the courthouse, uh, um, then um, uh, Marty um, goes to the street corner to wait for um, Doc Brown. Um, but something else that happened uh, before Marty went to the Cafe 80s, um, not long after he left uh, Doc Brown, was that he went into a an antique shop because he saw in the window um, that um, they um, no actually back up um, no after uh, he gets um, out of the um, the lake uh, and he dries himself off with the auto dryer in his jacket. Um, he has a conversation with someone who um, wants him to make a donation to repair the clock tower. Um, very much uh, like the, the woman in the first Back to the Future film uh, who uh, was um, trying to raise money to um, repair the clock tower after it was um, struck by lightning back in 1955. And this gives... Um, any, and then they see a advertisement for the World Series, um, the Chicago Cubs against uh, the Miami Gators, I think, at the time. And the the guy trying to get Marty to um, donate some money says he wishes that he could go back to the beginning of the season and put some money on the Cubs. Um, and this is when Marty gets the idea to go to this antique shop that he saw uh, the uh, a sports almanac uh, inside of just prior to going into the Cafe 80s. He saw it in the window there among um, some other antiques um, from uh, earlier eras such as a, um, a dustbuster, a television, um, several other things. But it's after this conversation with this man trying to get a donation to repair the clock tower that Marty, um, he think he has this idea to go back to this antique shop, buy this almanac, and um, um, and take this almanac, this sports almanac, back with him to the year 1985, so that he can make some money by putting some money on. Um, making some bets um, and then he waits for Doc Brown um, who um, eventually arrives uh, in a in the, the DeLorean uh, which uh, comes to rest outside the 
the Cafe 80s, um, just as um, Biff Tannen, old Biff, as he's called, comes out um, remarking upon the the flying DeLorean. And he says, I haven't seen one of those in 30 years, uh, which is true because, as we saw in the first scene of the film, uh, Biff came out of the McFly home and he saw the flying DeLorean just before uh, Marty and Jennifer and Doc Brown um, flew away and travelled into the future. And at that time, he said, what the hell is going on here? And then fast forward 30 years and he's seen the same DeLorean. But it that's not the thing that um, causes him to become suspicious, which does occur, of what is going on. It is when he sees Marty McFly, who he still believes is Marty Jr. But then he sees Marty Jr. come out of the Cafe 80s and they look identical. You can't, And he knows that there can't be two, two people um, who look exactly the same. So they, they, one must be, there must be something going on here. So he gets suspicious and he eavesdrops on uh, Doc Brown and Marty when they're having a conversation, um, when they're just just prior to them um, planning to leave and go back to the year 1985. Uh, Marty um, plans to take the hoverboard that um, he uh, procured back to 1985 with him and also the sports almanac. But unfortunately for him, uh, just as he turns to go back into the DeLorean and take the the um, the sports almanac with him in a bag, it falls out of the bag onto the floor. Doc Brown sees it, picks it up, and he says, um, looks at it, uh, and he remarks, sports almanac, 50 years of statistics. What is this? Um, questions Marty. Marty says, Hey, it's just a thought, you know, go back to 1985, put on, put a couple of bets, make some money. And Doc Brown is not happy about this. He says, I didn't, he says, I, I didn't build the time machine for financial gain. I did it to explore the many and various questions of existence. Um, you know, perhaps, uh, eventually, uh, answer the the immortal question why um and marty says i'm all for that but uh what's the harm in putting a good you know putting on a couple of bets but then doc brown takes it takes the sports almanac he says i'm going to throw this in the trash but just before um he's able to do this um doc brown and marty look down the um down the uh the alleyway where they left Jennifer, they see Jennifer has been discovered by uh, two police officers who have identified her as the Jennifer, uh, as Jennifer McFly, who is now married. And because your uh, fingerprints um, don't change as you get older, um, when they uh, try to identify her by her thumbprint, they identified her as Jennifer McFly. And uh, the police explained that. Uh, because she seems to be fine, she just seems to have passed out. They're going to take her home to Hilldale, where they live. 
uh, where she and uh, Marty live in the future, which in the year 1985 was um, a very prestigious place to to live. If you lived in Hilldale, then that was um, um, a a sign that you um, had reached a, a level of success. But Unfortunately, in, the, the, in the, the last 30 years, the reputation of people who live in Hilldale is, has changed and um, the police remarked that um, that people, the only people that live there are the, the lowlifes of uh, society. But they agreed to take Jennifer home. As I say, Marty and Doc Brown overhear this. They say that they're going to take the police are going to take Jennifer back to um Marty the future Marty and Jennifer's home back to Marty McFly's future home so what they need to do is after the police drop her off go out go there and pick her up and then immediately go back to the year 1985 because if Jennifer was to see her future self then the repercussions could be disastrous. It could cause a, a paradox, a, a universe-destroying paradox. Um, but also overhearing Doc Brown and Marty McFly's conversation is Biff Tannen, old Biff, who is hiding in um, in just behind a doorway, um, unseen, and he realizes that Doc Brown invented a time machine and he decides to take this opportunity to potentially steal the DeLorean uh, without Doc Brown knowing about it um, and go back in time and change history, change the present, change the future, change everything. Um, so, uh, Marty and Doc go to Hilldale, um, um, they park up the DeLorean, um, after the police, uh, drop Jennifer off at their home, which, um, uh, and all the homes in the future appear to be, um, don't appear to have any doorknobs, you open the, the, the front door or all, all the doors of all the homes by using your thumbprint um i suppose very much like we open up our phones sometimes with um these uh thumbprint sensors um fingerprint sensors on our phones so that's something that um is something that did um come true i suppose you could say um uh then when Jennifer goes into the house, um, the police say it's you know it's dangerous to to not have the lights on. Uh, come on, when you you come through the door, and Jennifer is come to by this by this time, and she says lights on, and immediately the lights come on. So that again is a um, a sign that Back to the Future got it right in one respect because. In this day and age, um, we have um, not only facial recognition, but we have voice recognition. We can command our virtual assistants and our phones to do things and um, activate lights and open doors and and such. Um, so, as I say, this is something else that has come true. Um, 
Um, then the police leave Jennifer, uh, sitting in her future home, where, when she looks through some of the photos that uh, have been displayed, she finds out that she and Marty will eventually go on to be married in the chapel of love. Uh, they'll have two kids, a boy and a girl. Um, but then the police leave, and after this, um, Doc Brown goes to the home, tries to get Jennifer to come out. Uh, she has a close encounter with her, um, nearly with her daughter, who looks the spitting image of Michael J. Fox, mostly because Michael J. Fox actually played his own daughter in it um very very well i have to say he uh he really does suit having long hair um and um he his own uh future son mistakens uh his her young his the younger his mother the younger self his mother's younger self for his mother if you know what I mean. Um, and he remarks that he likes her pants. Um, this causes Jennifer to immediately become confused about where she is, what she's doing there. Um, then she hides in a, in a closet um, so that she can observe what is going on. Um, but then Doc Brown goes over to the window in the closet and tells her to go to the front door that he'll meet her there she says oh there's no doorknobs i can't open it he says put your thumb to the plane to the plate and she says what plate and then because she doesn't know what she has to do to get out but uh, eventually she she finds her way out of the closet and um, tries to go to the front door then we have well during this we have a scene at the the dinner table uh, where we have Marty Jr. who has come home. We have Marlene uh, McFly, Marty McFly's uh, daughter. Um, we also have um, Marty's um, um, mother. Um, she also uh, is is there with um, uh, Lorraine McFly. Um, uh, who's who's there? She's come over. Uh, who's played by uh, the great uh, Leah Thompson? Um, we also have uh, George McFly, who uh, has, seems to have put his back out again uh, on the on the golf course, as he uh, explains. And they start to talk about Marty, um, um, about how. The house, the house appears to be, um, you know, falling to pieces. The the screen, uh, the video screen, um, um, is faulty, and uh, um, you know they start talking about Marty. How after he had uh, that car accident thirty years ago, that he's never been the same. You know, it affected him in both physically, emotionally, um, and um jennifer is in the closet listening to all this at this time and she um she hears that you know things m mustn't have gone very well for marty then as i say we have this 
scene at the, the dinner table where um, Lorraine um, McFly um, puts in the the the, the small uh, Pizza Hut pizza into the Black and Decker um, um, hydrator, I think it's called. And mere seconds later, the small pizza grows into a large pizza. Um, and then she takes it out back to the family where um, Marty, old Marty McFly, has he's, um, arrived home by this time. Um, he's sitting down with his, his, uh, his son and uh, his daughter who appear to be... Um, uh, appear to be distracted by their uh, personal entertainment systems, which I would say is also a great um, a great uh, thing that Back to the Future Part Two did. Um, they pretty much uh, predicted um, people, especially young people, uh, having their own personal entertainment devices at the dinner table. Uh, nowadays it would be if we were to depict that scene now we would have them holding their own mobile phones and surfing the internet and watching youtube listening to spotify you know those kind of things uh however of course back in 1985 there was no internet um um so but in 19 um, sorry 1989 when back to the future part 2 was made but they did predict that um, people would have this um, device. They would have this device uh, like a pair of sunglasses, like a virtual reality display, uh, which they would be able to watch videos on and listen to music, no doubt. So another prediction, I would say, that uh, came true in one one shape or form. Um and uh, Lorraine is talking to her son, Marty, saying, uh, how is Jennifer? You know, she um, seemed a bit down the last time I saw her. And Marty says, oh, you know, we're like a couple of teenagers, you know. Uh, but obviously things haven't gone well. Things aren't great in their relationship at this point. Um, but uh, not long after this, Jennifer, um, the version of Jennifer from... 1985 uh, tries to go out the front door and at the exact same time that she tries to leave old Jennifer from the year 2015 arrives home with um, groceries old Jennifer looks at young Jennifer and at the same time as old Jennifer says I'm young when she's looking at her younger self the younger version of Jennifer looks at her older self and says, I'm old. And they immediately um, faint at the sight of one another. Um, soon after this, uh, Doc discovers her and he calls out to uh, Marty to come and uh, help him with Jennifer. And it is at this exact moment that um, Biff... Uh, Tannen, who had arrived just after um, the doc and Marty had arrived, uh, he'd arrived in a, a taxi cab uh, at um, Hildale. 
while Marty is distracted and he's running away from where the DeLorean is parked up, Biff takes this opportunity to steal the DeLorean um, and travel back in time to the year 1955. Um, and then, um, seemingly um, moments later, uh, arrives back, gets out of the DeLorean um, and appears to be fading away. He seems to be having a physical effect to something uh, as he and he stumbles away from the DeLorean. And then seconds later, Marty and Doc Brown um, return to the DeLorean, uh, carrying Jennifer in their their arms. Um, and Doc Brown says, "We're going back to 1985 right now." Uh, at which time, when we arrive back, I'm going to destroy the time machine because it's time travel is much too dangerous. He's learnt his lesson, um, but he will regret doing it because he always wanted to go back to the old west um and and but he says that now he will instead of time travel he will now concentrate on trying to answer the immortal um um the immortal question that is women so that's what he's going to try and um focus his attention on from now on um then uh, Doc Brown and Marty uh, and Jennifer travel back in time to the year uh, 1985. Um, they immediately go to Jennifer's house. They uh, lay Jennifer down on the swing um, uh, outside on the porch uh, of uh, Jennifer's house. Um, and um, Doc says, we're just going to leave her there. You come back in a in a few in a, an hour or so with some smelling salts, so you can wake her up. And when you wake her up, she'll believe that everything is just a dream, nothing to worry about. Um, and then Doc Brown takes Marty back to his home, back to Marty's home, drops him off, and says, "If you need me, I'll be back at my lab dismantling the the DeLorean, the time machine." Um, and Marty just thinks, "Oh, okay." Marty goes over to the the back gate of his home, which is usually he's usually able to open um, easily, but uh, it appears that the the gate now has a padlock on it, and um, Marty's a bit surprised by this. He thinks, "Well, when did this happen?" Because seemingly it it is moments, seemingly moments after they or not long after they uh, left i mean it's night now whereas they when they left it was the day but only a few hours seems to have passed um but things have definitely changed but marty he decides to jump the fe- jump the gate um and go into his bedroom through the window at the back of the house but unfortunately um when marty goes through the window into his bedroom he discovers that there is a an African American girl um, sleeping in his bed. She's immediately freaked out by his appearance, and um, she screams. And uh, her father comes rushing in with a baseball bat, asking Marty who he is, what he's in there, doing in there, and um, and then yeah, Marty has to uh, 
stand up and ask who are you what are you doing in my house where's my parents all this um but then he gets chased out of his own house by this african-american family who immediately shout after him that they don't care what the real estate company or anyone says they're not going to be terrorized and forced out of their own home so um after marty runs away from his home uh feeling a tad confused by who he encountered in living in his home um and he wonders what the hell is going on and he starts walking through the the dark uh, streets of uh, Hill Valley, uh, which seems to become uh, um, hellish in uh, in his absence since he was in the future. Things seem to have changed for the worse. Um, eventually, Marty finds himself uh, outside uh, the uh, the the home of his um, of uh, Principal uh, Strickland. Uh, he looks at the um, the newspaper outside, and he he looks at the date, and uh, he discovers that it's the right date that it should be. Um, it's still the year nineteen eighty five, but um, Marty says it can't be because everything seems so different. Um, then Mister Strickland comes out, uh, puts a gun to uh, Marty's. Uh, face initially and then down to his crotch when he's trying to threaten him and ask who he is and Marty says why do you don't remember me you don't remember me from school sir and Mr Strickland um who's played by uh, James Tolkien says the, the school burnt uh shut down six years ago um so he couldn't have um he couldn't have known Marty um and but it, mr strickland believes that marty is the one who's been stealing his newspapers um most recently um but just as mr strickland is threatening marty saying he wants to know the truth he wants to know who he is um a um a well-armed um gang um drive past mr strickland's home and they start shooting at him um, and then Mr. Strickland has to, uh, um, fall to the ground for cover. Then he, um, gets back up and he starts shooting back at this armed gang and he says, um, eat lead slackers. And then he runs after them. And of course, by this point, Marty is absolutely freaked out more than ever. Uh, he starts running through, goes to the, the town centre, Hill Valley Town Centre, and um, immediately when he arrives, he discovers that the the town centre has now become a haven for bikers, and it has descended into somewhere where um, the... Um, those that are um, um, not uh, as um, well liked among society, or um, those that a place where things that are normally hidden um, are now um, you know taking place out in the open. The uh, there is a, a new 
uh, hotel that's been opened there, a new casino um, that is uh, has been opened up by um, uh, Biff Tannen. And um, uh, in a window display there, um, the... Uh, the announcer there is explaining that um, all of this, this everything that that happened happened because Biff um, um, won a lot of money by betting on a horse race um, in the year nineteen fifty eight, um, and he uh, eventually would go on to um, have um, close. Uh, acquaintances with um, such famous uh, starlets such as Marilyn Monroe and he would go on to uh, build his own company that he would call Biffco and he would make a lot of money Uh, however over the years even though um, Lorraine um, Baines would go on to eventually get married to George McFly and of course they would have um, their children Marty McFly and um, um, their, their other son uh, David um, that um, yeah um, over the intervening years even though she was married um Biff still had feelings for her, which is something that we saw in the first Back to the Future film. Um, he um, told Lorraine many times that uh, she was his girl, and um, yeah, so it that uh, continued his pursuit of Lorraine continued, and. Um, well, it's while uh, Marty's watching this this uh, this um, advertisement, this uh, history of Biff Tannen, that he discovers that Lorraine uh, eventually gave in uh, and got married to Biff Tannen, and that she um, she's now his wife. And Marty is completely shocked by this. He can't believe that his mother would leave his father and be with um, Biff Tannen. And uh, it's not long after this that he he is discovered by Biff's uh, henchman, um, uh, who immediately say to him that they can either do it the easy way or the hard way. And... Uh, the, the hard way it's of course hitting Marty over the head um, then they take Marty inside the, the casino um, a hotel that uh, uh, has been built in Biff's name and uh, uh, Marty uh, has been laid down to in bed um, and uh, in a another um, symbol of um, poetry as uh, we do we get to see uh, occasionally throughout Back to the Future trilogy Uh, in all of the films there is a scene when Marty is um, asleep in bed and he wakes up and he 
encounters a member of his family. Um, in the original Back to the Future film, he wakes up and he discovers and he's looking into the, the face of his mother, but she's uh, 30 years younger. Um, whereas in this case, when Marty wakes up, he's looking into the face of his mother once again, but she seems to have um, had some um, plastic surgery, uh, most notably some uh, breast augmentation. And um, uh, and he remarks, uh, "Mom, uh, you look so you look so uh, big." Um, and uh, he asks, "You know where he is? What's happened? What's going on?" Um, and he starts to immediately question Lorraine. What happened? How could you leave? How could he leave? How could she leave his dad for Biff Tannen? And she says. I didn't leave your father. George McFly, your father, died. He died in 1973, I think. Um, and then we, then we get the arrival of Biff Tannen. Um, and he comes in and he starts having a, an argument with Lorraine, immediately saying that everything that she has, everything... Um, that she takes for granted is all because of him, for because of all of his money. Um, he has looked after her children all these years, um, and uh, he, she says, you, you were the one who wanted me to have or or and do all the things that I've done, including you know having a, uh, a, a breast augmentation um, surgery, and she says you can have it back. But then uh, straight away, Biff says, "Well, if if that means if you're going to leave me, then I'm going to cut off not only you, but I'm going to cut off your kids. I'm going to make sure that uh, they're in their debts are not cleared, and uh, they're going to have to fend for themselves. And because she cares about her children so much, she fears that if without Biff, then they would be destitute." She decides to stay with Biff and, um, you know, do what she can. Um, but, uh, and all the while, uh, Marty is seeing this and, uh, you know, he goes to, uh, goes to hit Biff, uh, before he is stopped by Biff's henchman. Um, then Biff punches Marty in the, in the stomach um then leaves him um um weakened and um you know he this is when um Lorraine explains to Marty she, she says you know Marty asks the question where is my father where is George McFly and she says Marty your father is in the same place that he's been for the last eight years, Oak Park Cemetery. And straight away, the scene jumps to um, a scene of Marty going to uh, um, a gravesite, the, the gravesite of his own father, George McFly, um, who it turns out um, died in 1973. And of course, Marty is completely devastated by this. Um, he can't believe that his his 
father is dead and he just doesn't understand what's going on, what happened. His father was alive the last time he saw him. Um, then, um, not long after this, um, uh, Doc Brown arrives. Uh, he says that he figured that Marty would um, eventually find his way to his father's grave after he discovered what had happened to him. And um, Marty says, do you know what happened? Do you know what happened to my father in 1973? How he died? And Doc Brown says, yes, I do. Straight after um, the next scene, they uh, we find Doc Brown and Marty back at his, uh, uh, at Doc Brown's um laboratory back um at his workshop uh which is in a complete um state of disarray um uh and this is when um doc brown explains to marty exactly what's happened marty says you know this is uh like hell where we are now is hell you know what the hell happened and this is when Doc Brown explains um, the um, the the reality um, that where they are now is a a tangent reality, a parallel reality to the one that um, they came from, and it all this tangent reality was created. This alternate reality was created when. Um, Biff, who Doc Brown discovered, was in the DeLorean. He was in the time machine. He had the sports almanac because he left the bag that the sports almanac was in, which was the same bag and the same sports almanac that Doc Brown eventually threw in the trash um, just prior to Marty and him going to um, save Jennifer. Biff took the almanac from the trash as say he followed them um when they went to um Hildale. He stole the DeLorean, he went back to nineteen eighty five um and he changed something in in the past. And Marty says, Well why don't we just go back to the future and stuff Biff stop Biff from stealing the, the DeLorean and uh, Doc Brown says we can't do that and this is when uh, I first got introduced to the concept of there being alternate realities um, I think when I saw this film I was what eight or nine years old and I had no idea the complexity of this film until many years later um, but now I realized just how complex the the story of Back to the Future is and how intelligently written it is and how um, brilliant it is, to be fair. Um, because they introduce the concept of not only time travel, but also alternate realities, which is what uh, we see. This hell-like reality is um, as a result of Biff Tannen going back in time to the year 1955 giving a younger version of himself the sports almanac and after he did this the younger biff 
use the the um the information within the sports almanac which um included statistics about all of the the sports games for the last for the 30 years uh, or more uh, 50 years in fact i think it is 50 years of sports statistics um so the younger biff um he put his first bet on in 1958 which was three years after it was given to him in 1955 and as a result of this as a result of him having information about sports statistics before they happened he was able to place bets knowing who the winner was going to be which is how he um, ultimately um, made his fortune and was able to change the past change the present and change the future um and doc brown says the only way that we're going to correct all this is to go back to 1955 or the date he doesn't know exactly when in the past the past was changed um he only finds out a bit later on but he says that they need to find out the where and the when it all happened that when the sports almanac was given to the younger Biff Tannen by the older Biff Tannen. So Marty uh, immediately um, um, says that he'll go to Biff. Um, he'll find out exactly where and when he was given the sports almanac, which he does. He goes back to the, the casino, the, the hotel. He confronts Biff, who is sitting in a hot tub with uh, two um, women who are not Lorraine. And he's watching a uh, spaghetti western featuring uh, Clint Eastwood. And uh, Marty comes in and he asks Biff straight up uh, the question that is on his mind. He wants to know... He says, Gray's Sports Almanac. And uh, Griff immediately tells his two female um, friends to leave because he has to talk to Marty. He gets out. And then Marty and Griff, and Biff, I should say, have a conversation. And he says, first of all, I want to know how you know about that book. And then Marty says, no, first of all, I want to know how when and who gave you that book um and uh biff explains that um um that he was given the the book by this uh this old man who claimed to be a, a family member or a distant relative of his in the year 1955 um and that he said that this this book would have all the sports statistics for the last the next fifty years, and that he could that by using the information within the book within the sports almanac, he could be rich beyond the the dreams of avarice. Um, and then and he says to Marty that this old man who gave him this book says that one day a wild-eyed scientist or this young kid would come along asking about this book 
and uh, if that ever happens then he should kill them and Biff says um, I, in all these years I never thought that it would be you when he's speaking to Marty and um, he takes out a gun obviously plans to kill Marty but Marty uh, picks up a um, a matchbook um, uh, holder um, and he throws it at um, Biff uh, so that uh, just as Biff is uh, about to take a shot at Marty uh, so that Marty can run away um, and outrun Biff and um, make his way to the the, the roof of the casino where um, Doc Brown will be waiting for him in the DeLorean so that they can um, travel back to the past after uh, uh, Marty tells Doc um, where and when they need to travel to so that they can get the, the sports almanac back. Um, but um, Marty is pursued by Biff and uh, his henchmen um uh before making it to the roof um where uh biff confronts marty again with his gun and uh he says uh if he shoots him then it'll be poetic justice two mcflies with the same gun um of course revealing that he was the one who shot george mcfly he's the one who killed him um and uh he says marty goes to the, the the side of the the roof side of the building he um seemingly um jumps off or he steps off the ledge griff a uh, biff uh sorry he uh is a bit taken aback he's like what and he goes butthead you know cause he thinks he's just stupid but he has no idea that um Marty has uh uh stepped onto the uh the hood of the the DeLorean the time machine that is hovering um just to the side of the building um uh and then just as uh, Biff gets close to the DeLorean um Doc Brown opens the uh opens the door of the DeLorean he knocks out uh, Biff in one fell swoop. Um, then Marty gets in the DeLorean and explains immediately to Doc Brown that they have to travel back to 1955. Um, um, and that is when and where the old Biff uh, travelled to to give um, um, the uh, sports almanac to his younger self. So they travel back in time back to the year 1955 they um park up the delorean and then they uh, begin a plan um which includes marty uh observing and watching biff uh going um uh going to his home and watching him uh, come back and forth um and which he does he follows Biff, um, he jumps into, um, he follows him to the town centre where Biff goes to pick up his, um, his, uh, his car, um, that has just recently been repaired after, um, 
it's the damage that it sustained after it crashed into a manure truck um which we got which we saw in the first back to the future film and then um uh marty hides in the back seat he covers himself in a uh in um um a blanket there um then uh biff old biff uh, who has traveled back in time he jumps into the, the 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 driver's seat of uh younger biff's car he starts it up uh younger biff goes over and he says who are you old man no one can start this car but me who are you old biff says to younger biff he says this is your lucky day he drives him back to his his home uh, which he shares with his mother um and old biff explains that he has a book an almanac that it has that contains all of the statistics for the next 50 years and that if biff does what he says he should do then he could win all of these bets he can make a lot of money he could do lots of things and he's giving him this gift now and he gives him this warning that potentially a wild-eyed um, guy and a, a kid would will turn up. And all the while, Marty is listening to this. Um, but then Biff, both Biffs leave the, the garage that um, um, is outside their home. They lock the door. Um, um, and, of course, uh, Marty because it's locked Marty can't get out so he's stuck but he uh, calls Doc Brown on his walkie talkie who's been waiting for him um, been waiting to get an update he tells him that he's at Biff's house he can't get out of the garage um, Doc Brown um, decides to, to leave the DeLorean hidden and travel over to where uh, Biff lives with his mother so he can um, free Marty. Um, however, while he's riding through town, the town hall um, at night on a bicycle, he bumps into the younger version of himself, who at this point is readying to assist Marty McFly, who had travelled back in time from 1985 to 1955 um, in an attempt to get back to 1985. And Doc Brown immediately realises this. He sees the DeLorean, but he tries to disguise himself so as to not um, show um, or um, create a paradox. Because interacting with your younger self is a big no-no uh, in time travel, apparently. Um, so he assists his younger self, but he tries to do it in such a way that it doesn't um, make him suspicious about who he is or that he is in fact interacting with himself um, and this is all taking place of course before the, the famous uh, lightning storm that will um, set off the will let out the lightning bolt that will strike the clock tower and aid Doc Brown the younger Doc Brown from 1955 and Marty McFly um, to power the flux capacitor and um, 
enable the, the DeLorean, the time machine, to return to the year 1985. But anyway, uh, so the 1985, Doc Brown goes to Biff's house. Um, um, they um, free, uh, free Marty. Uh, Marty goes to the um, the um, do, goes to the dance at the high school that is taking place at this exact same time, which we also saw depicted in the first Back to the Future film, the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. It's called uh, where George is going to be and Lorraine is going to be um, both Marty's parents um, and also Marty's going to be there because he. Um, the version of Marty from the original Back to the Future um, takes Lorraine there and he eventually finds himself on stage singing um, Johnny Be Good with the um, with the, uh, the African-American group who were there to play the band. So the, the version of Marty who is there to try and get the almanac back um, he tries to make his way through the Enchantment Under the Sea dance without being spotted by either um, his parents or himself, uh, who is also there. Um, and he's all he's doing this um, to try and get the sports almanac back. So he's trying to follow Biff, uh, the younger Biff. Um, and uh, eventually Marty... Um, finds the what he thinks is the sports almanac which he believes has been confiscated by Mr Strickland as he was back in 1955 um who had taken it from Biff and taken it back to his office and um seemingly thrown it in the garbage um but when Marty goes to uh take it out of the garbage um thinking that he's event he's finally got it he finds out that he's only found the dust cover of the sports almanac, that this real sports almanac is still in Biff's, young Biff's possession, and that he'd just put the, the dust cover um, around an, a, uh, a very risque magazine that um, uh, Biff had obviously been looking at uh, prior to it being confiscated by Mr. Strickland. Um... Then Marty goes back to the high school. He sees his um, his younger father uh, knock out um, Biff. Um, then one thing leads to another, and um, Marty gets knocked out while observing um, an earlier version of himself. Just before he travels back to the future or the present, uh, but he gets knocked out. Um, and then he has a confrontation with Biff, um, but then um, he is finally able to get away from Biff. He runs to the top of the, the high school with the um, the sports almanac in hand. Um, or no, he doesn't actually, uh, because Biff, after he knocked um, Marty out, he took sports almanac from marty that's right he says and he gives him another uh beating saying that he you know for, for stealing his stuff because um 
he realised that Marty must have taken it from him somehow. Then Biff leaves the, the high school. He drives away with the sports almanac with him. Uh, Marty goes up to the top of the school. He tells Doc Brown that um, he failed, that Biff took the book back from him, um, and that he's driving away from the school. Um, Doc Brown says that they have to pursue him to, um, and they have to succeed no matter what. So they pursue uh, Biff in the, the DeLorean um, as it flies uh, just overhead of Biff in his car. Um, they uh, uh, Marty has the idea to use the hoverboard that he has to try and sneak um past or down the side of Biff's car so that he can open the passenger side door and reach in and take the um the sports almanac which is um just laying on the the passenger um seat um but when he attempts to take it Biff sees him um especially after he's listening to the radio and he's here he's listening to the sports announcer announce the 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 winner of the the game that he's listening to and he reaches down to look at the the sports almanac and uh he sees marty and he you know immediately and erratically tries to get uh marty away from him um but uh um marty uh does everything he can to once again get the, the sports almanac which uh, finds itself on the, the windshield of the car. Um, then Marty finds himself uh, with the sports almanac, but um, then being pursued by Biff Tannen, who is racing towards him down this uh, um, down this tunnel. But uh, luckily for Marty, uh, as soon as he reaches the end of the tunnel. Uh, Doc Brown, um, he um, um, lets a um, uh, a rope down for Marty to grab a hold of so that he can uh, pull him up and out of danger. Um, just before uh, Biff um, reaches him and eventually ends up uh, colliding once again with a... Uh, a truckload of uh, manure, uh, which uh, seems to be his uh, luck in life. In that the family of the Tanner family seem to have a very close association with uh, manure, because this is again something that repeats throughout all of the the films. In every one of the films, there are these uh, recurring uh, motifs that we see. These uh, this the poetic justice um but yeah so once again he uh damages his vehicle his car uh but marty and uh doc brown are able to get away um um dr brown um is able to um uh, get uh, marty to safety um just by the the as yet um built a uh, housing estate where Marty lives in the year 1985 with his parents. Uh, and on the walkie-talkie, 
um, Doc Brown says to bur- immediately burn the sports almanac so that um, the potential hellish future that they saw, um, that is the year 1985, the alternate version of 1985 that they encountered, doesn't come to pass in any way, shape or form. And immediately after Marty burns the sports almanac, um, all evidence of this hellish future that they found, including uh, newspaper cuttings which um, depicted that George McFly uh, died in the year 1973, that Doc Brown was committed under um, having um, mental health problems, um, but now it's revealed that uh, he was uh, uh, heralded as um, as uh, someone you know um, who is uh, famous uh, for you know being a, a well-renowned scientist, and so this shows that the present um, or the 1985 that um, Doc Brown and Marty came from has now been. Um, restored to how it was and so they can now go back to 1985 however the lightning storm still uh rages on um as we know at this exact moment the the lightning storm that is due to send marty back to the year 1985 it is sending out electric um strikes uh one of which uh hits um very near to where the delorean is still flying above um marty's on the um the walkie-talkie talking to doc saying that that was a close one um he says you don't want you know you know watch yourself doc you don't want to be struck by lightning and of course seconds an instant after after uh, Marty says this, bang, the DeLorean is struck by lightning, the flux capacitor is charged, the time circuits immediately um, um, go into overdrive, and bang, the DeLorean just disappears um, um, in, a, uh, in fire trails, and all that is left is um, a fragment of the, the rope that uh, Doc Brown used to um, help Marty in his time of need when he was being pursued by Biff. And of course, this is a horrifying moment for Marty. He has no idea what's happened. He thinks that the Doc has been destroyed, the DeLorean has been destroyed. He has no idea what's going on, what's happened. Then, moments later, um, uh, a car starts to approach Marty on the same road that he's standing upon, on the same highway. And Marty has no idea who this is, what's going on. Um, Seconds after, a man in a hat, a trench coat, come out. And they asked Marty, is his name Marty McFly? Um, 
and he approaches Marty and eventually Marty says, yeah, that's me. And straight after um, this man takes out, he says, I've got something for you. And he takes out a letter from his uh, from his uh, trench coat. Marty says, who are you? And he says, Western Union. So um, it's then revealed that who this man is, is that he is a Western Union courier who has a letter for Marty that Western Union has been keeping a hold of for the last, the last 70 years, that when Marty takes out of the uh, envelope that it, it has been contained within, um, is, that is addressed to Marty, is from the Doc, Doc Brown. Um, and included in um, this letter is an explanation that Marty, uh, to Marty, that the Doc um, survived the lightning strike, that um, he's been living in the Old West, the year 1985, for the last eight months, and that he's alive and well. And this is all that Marty needs to immediately... Um, make him overjoyed and you know he doesn't even think about the fact that he's stuck in the year 1955 and he has no way to get back to the future all he cares about as he explains to the western union courier is that the doc's alive and that's you know that's that's a great thing um and then straight after uh he starts to run away and the western union courier stops him and says hey kid where are you going um need any help and marty immediately says there's only one man who can help me and straight after this we jump back to the events of the first back to the future movie uh just um at the moment when um the lightning strike is about to strike the clock tower and um surge down the cable um to the to the road and uh um, assist marty to return back to 1985 um of course doc brown has to um he has to slide down the cable so that he can reconnect it um so that when the lightning strikes the clock tower everything will go to plan uh, it will generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity that will immediately go straight down the cable and into the DeLorean via the the contraption the um the, the pole that they have uh, um uh, installed into the flux capacitor which when the hook hooks onto the cable at the exact time that it um is electrified by the electricity of the lightning bolt that it will travel back to the year 1985 which happens of course and as soon as it happens of course doc brown is immediately overjoyed that the plan worked that marty has gone back to the back to the future back to the year 1985 however to his immediate surprise and shock um running down the uh the same um flaming trails that was left by the DeLorean um, moments ago, Marty runs up 
to greet Doc Brown. Um, and he says, um, Doc Brown is he's shocked and he says, um, Marty, um, it, it can't be you. It can't be. I've just sent you back to the future. And Marty uh, explains that, well, he's back. He's back from the future. And that is when the film comes to an end at the exact moment that Doc Brown um, faints after he uh, um, speaks his immortal line of uh, Great Scott. He faints, falls to the street, and that is essentially the, the end of the film. But of course, Back to the Future Part 2 was filmed um, back-to-back, I believe, with uh, Back to the Future Part 3, which was set in the Old West, uh, as I say, in the year 19... Uh, in the year 1885. Um, and at the end of Back to the Future Part 2, we get a uh, a preview of the events, some of the events from Back to the Future Part 3. Um and uh, basically says that it, the the story will be continued, which of course does does happen. Um, but yeah, Back to the Future Part Two of the three films, I would say is not only my favourite film. It was my favourite film growing up for so long before I discovered some other films that um, I consider. Um, my favourite film, um, but it is still a favourite film of mine. It's it's really it's right up there. It's a film that I look forward to watching uh, whenever I can, whenever I get the opportunity. And as I say, it's my favourite. It's my sister Claire's favourite film of all time um, for so many reasons. She just loves it, and uh, I can't say I blame her because it's just a brilliant film. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a film that has really had a uh, a profound impact upon me, upon futurists, upon people, moviegoers, and fans of time travel um, stories and movies, and also those who have been fascinated with the concept of um, parallel realities, alternate realities, the the prospect of changing the past, how will that affect the future, and uh, so forth. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just a, it's a standout film. One that, um, is a, is a favorite film of mine, but I'm a fan of all three films of the Back to the Future trilogy. Uh, most especially the first film because it is just a, um, a masterpiece, I think. But, uh, yeah, Back to the Future 2, part two, uh, the way that it depicted the future as it did, um, the year 2015 and I remember when the year 2015 arrived and I remember all the 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 comments and the memes uh, who were comparing the real 2015 and the technology and the things that were available in the, the year 2015 to the things that were purported to be available in the year 2015 as predicted by Back to the Future 2 and comparing the two and noticing that there were similarities in some ways that some things did come to pass whereas other things didn't um most notably flying cars you know 
as as far as I know, there aren't any flying cars like uh, those that we saw in Back to the Future Part Two. Hoverboards, as I say, there is there was such a thing created called a hoverboard, but it um, pales in comparison to the hoverboard that we saw in Back to the Future Part Two. But as I say, some things they predicted with um, a great deal of um, uh, a great deal of uh, um, great deal of clarity. Um, that's not the right word, but uh, a great deal of um, accuracy. That's the word. Um, as I say, with portable entertainment devices. Uh, we would call them cell phones now, mobile phones, whereas then it would have been, you know, these virtual reality or these entertainment goggles. But, um, but yeah, um, even though it didn't get everything right, because, uh, of course, it's a story. It was trying to predict uh, a future, um, you know, 25 years after the fact. And that is uh, always fraught with um, unpredictability because you have no idea what the future is going to look like Um, and of course who knew what 2015 was going to be like Um, especially with the advent of the the internet and all of the 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 revolution in technology as I say especially in computers and cell phones and such Um, there was no no way of knowing how much technology would become as much a part of our lives, probably even more so than we saw in uh, Back to the Future Part 2. But, uh, yeah, great movie. Uh, As I say, I always look forward to watching it over and over again um, whenever I can. But uh, if you've never seen Back to the Future Part 2, which, if you haven't, that's a crime. You should definitely do something about and not only watch it but watch the entire back to the future trilogy at uh, your earliest convenience because it's a it's a film series that um is incomparable um but yeah i think i'm gonna leave it there for now um just want to say thank you for listening uh, i hope you like what you heard and i'll talk to you again soon hi everyone this is mark so i hope you did enjoy what you heard in this episode of the podcast And uh, if you did and uh, you would like to enjoy more of my content, um, I'm a a writer, I'm a poet, and I'm an author. Uh, I've written 11 books of uh, poetry uh, and short stories and uh, short novels. So if you're interested in reading some of my poems, my short stories, or uh, the stories within my novels, then you can check them out online on Amazon or um, from the, the book depository or online at uh, Barnes & Noble and uh, if you want to check out some of my re- most recent uh, poems then if you head over to uh, markthepoet.me online then you can check out some of my most recent poems and also some of the poems that I've written uh, in the past uh, but yeah, so uh, I hope you like what you heard and I'll talk to you again soon